Welcome to the Um Yeah Sports Podcast with John and Chris, where it's unapologetically just about the sports. We're glad you joined us. Let's jump right in. It is the June 6th episode of the Um Yeah Sports Podcast. It's the Monday edition of the show. Game two of the NBA Finals is in the books. That was a bit of a lopsided affair. I'm Chris, and with me, as always, is John. Hey, listeners, we appreciate you. Thanks for tuning in. If you haven't done so already, you can help us out by subscribing to the podcast or sharing the show with your friends and family if they love sports like uh, like you do, presumably. Uh, why don't you kind of let them in on the, the secret? That'd be awesome. Also, if you haven't headed over to umyasports.com yet, we suggest you do so. Uh, All of the latest sports news and information curated from around the web, free of ads, free of charge, all for you. Go check it out. All right. With that underway, done, complete, in the books, let's jump into things, shall we? Sounds good. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I am okay. It's a Monday. (laughs) A little tired. You You know, Mondays aren't... As good as Fridays, but that's okay. There you go. That's okay because we've got lots of fun things happening uh, this week. We've got the NBA Finals continuing. We've got the NHL playoffs continuing. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about what happened last night in Game 2 of the NBA Finals. The Boston Celtics, well, you tell me, what happened? They uh, they came out of the gate swinging and, you know, started at... Came out of the gate, you know, with decent offense from Jason Tatum and from Jalen Brown. However, Marcus Smart and Al Horford both were pr- able to do pretty much nothing the entire game. I think they both finished with like two points. When that game first hit, started, so. I remember turning to you and and the Celtics had a lead, and I was just yeah. like, man, man, the Golden State—they're going to drop two games. Yeah, boy, it's just—it's such a long. Basketball's so, so long. It's a long game. No lead is really safe, like, at all. <laughs> no. So even if you're up 20 early, it's like, okay, that's yeah. going to be wiped out in a couple seconds, especially yeah. when you're playing uh, a Golden State team who, in my opinion, did way better than they did in the first game as far as pacing themselves. Def- yeah. uh, Curry didn't get all his threes at the beginning of the game. In fact, most of them came, if not all of them, came in the second half when they were necessary and allowed them to get that huge third quarter where – the Celtics, I think, only scored like three or four buckets the entire third quarter in uh, Golden State. Ran away with the game and really never looked back. And and then all of a sudden, the Celtics just pull all their players, and now they're all playing with backups, which prohibited them from getting to the game at all. But we saw a lot of – the beginning of the game was good. I thought Tatum did a good job. I thought Jalen Brown did a good job. Those guys were very physical. But we just kind of – I've just kind of come to expect this from the Celtics. They have a great game, and then they have a couple bad games, and they have a good game, and then they have you know a game that's mediocre, and then in the game seven they come back and win the whole thing. Um, but it takes time for them to get into game form, and it takes time for them to all be on the same page, and it takes a couple losses, and it, usually those losses come in the middle. Uh, we saw that in the Milwaukee series. We've seen that you know throughout all the series that we've watched from the Celtics team. So is it unexpected that this happened? No. Um, do I expect them to win game three? I don't know, because right now we kind of see two halves of a team. We see, at times, good defense. Good, you know. I thought the defense was better in game one, but decent defense in game two for the beginning of the game. The second half of the game, not even close to, uh, to where they need to be. Draymond has finally kind of come into his you know, normal, um, normal playoff form of trying to you know, get underneath, 
guy's skins and or guy's yeah. skin and just kind of irritate him a little bit. Yeah. Got a technical from it. Probably should have got a second one, but kind of try to irritate players. So we got Golden State coming into their own and, you know, kind of playing the type of basketball that we kind of desire, other than Clay Thompson, who needs to kind of step into his own. But a little side note, that Jordan Poole three, though, from, you know, midcourt. Right oh, before, man. I think it was right before halftime. It was right before, yeah, halftime. Right to rub it in a wound a little bit was you know, nuts. And then they went on that tear right after that, so that was kind of the beginning. <laughs> yeah. But uh, ultimately, I think it's just, like I mentioned with Game 7s, there's plenty of opportunity to figure these teams out. The problem is Golden State is so good at hitting threes, and you have to be perfect for the entire game. There's really no opportunity to slip up and let a whole quarter go away. You have to be playing, you know, the best that you could possibly be playing. And for whatever reason, the playoffs have just shown that the first and third quarter are the most instrumental quarters to winning a basketball game in the playoffs. I don't know why or when it happened, but from the beginning, that's been the case. It's kind of echoing in the in this uh, um, in this series as well. The other thing I mentioned is if Golden State plays the way they did, as far as getting the shots when they did, allowing Curry to get hot when he needs to as opposed to letting it all out early, getting Jordan Poole involved, getting Looney involved, getting Draymond physical and getting him points and kind of being the heartbeat, they, they make a strong case to win the whole thing. If the Celtics are able to join what they did in the first game and the second game together into the third game, they make a strong case to kind of pull us out. But right now, honestly, it's 0-0 as far as this this – the, um, this this series, the yeah. finals are, because we don't really know what's going to happen when Golden State and the Celtics both at the exact same time come into form and dominate. We still haven't seen that. There's only two games in. It's one and one We're going to Boston. So do the Boston Celtics take the first one in front of their home crowd? Is that when they start to dominate? We don't really know. I would not be surprised if they dropped one at home and won one at home and made it, you know, the first right. four games or first four games are split. And then the last games and the games that really matter. That would be the trajectory that I foresee for this because right now we just see both teams kind of poke their head up and just dominate when they when they needed to. And I feel like that's just going to continue and uh, and happen until probably, you know, those last few games, six game six and game seven. We're just going to make this a final a lot of fun because you kind of just are trying to predict when each team is going to do what they need to do. But ultimately this Celtics team – if you just boil it down, the Warriors are great offensively. The Celtics are great defensively. When they're able to get these things going against each other, what you're really going to be left with is how many points can Curry score, how many points can Poole score or another replacement, and how many points is either uh, Clay Thompson or Draymond, depending on when Clay Thompson gets in. How many points are they scoring as a group of those three guys? And how many points are Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Jason Tatum scoring? That's really going to be where everything come, comes down to. And who out of those batch of guys on both squads are playing the best? Because defense and offensively, it's going to get be hard to come by points at the paint. There's going to be a lot of blocks by the Celtics team. And the three-point game is going to be hard for the Celtics to continue. And then to work inside, which is going to be probably resulting in a lot of free throws. But if those three guys, those are the guys who are going to decide the outcome of the series. And I mean offensively. Defensively, that's a completely different story. But... Out of those two guys, or out of those group of guys, those trios, whoever plays the best, easily the winner. So those guys are going to figure out when they need to get hot and how they're going to do it and how they're going to pace it, pace it out. But those guys have great chemistry with each other, so it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But I can't wait for when both teams kind of come out strong. But right now, I don't think there's a lot of you know film to look at and say, 
oh, here's the weakness of the Celtics, or here's the weakness of the Golden State Warriors, because they corrected those things in a lot of ways. But they also flip-flopped if you're the Celtics, where they did greater, better in one game and worse than the next, and then the Warriors corrected and did better in the second game than the first, and now we really don't know what to expect. So Game 3, which I believe is on Wednesday, is going to be a lot of fun to watch. How much it will decide the rest of the series, I believe not much. It depends on who wins it. I believe the Celtics win it. That's going to change a little bit more of this series. It allows us to get a little more of a reading on it. But if the Warriors win, I mean, that's just Warriors being Warriors and, you know, dominating. And I don't think that's going to really echo for the rest of the series because I think the Celtics are going to bounce back. But a lot at stake after these next two games. What if, did you think of the whole thing of them pulling all those, like, basically, like, pulling uh, all the starters? I, not uh, You know, like, basically not trying. I think strategically it makes a lot of sense if you're the coach. Yeah. You're not going to injure Jason Tatum, who was already favoring that right shoulder. Uh, and, and, you know, Marcus Mar, who's been dealing with a leg injury, and we don't know if he's going to get re-injured. Uh, Robert Williams got rolled up by Marcus Mar, and he was dealing with a surgical repair knee as well. And Jalen Brown, and, and I mean, Alan Horford wasn't scoring any points. So, like, those guys are not going to be able to continue. You don't want to injure anyone. But as a fan and as an analyst, I don't like it personally because I don't like this whole thing that coaches are doing now and i i saw and i think it was it was either first take i think it was first take where uh cj mccollum said a lot of times when these guys aren't playing in these games it's not their choice it's not like lebron james or Giannis says okay i'm gonna take a break here you guys play sure. we're already a commanding lead the coach says you're you're not playing this game this is right. a rest game for you nice so it's like one of those things where that's just happening now because they don't want to injure superstars but like I mentioned quite a few podcasts ago this time, time flies a little bit with these podcasts a little bit, but I think it's interesting how, how these superstar players seem more valuable than the other players where they'll get more rest and they'll do more things to make sure they're set, kept like safe a little bit and make sure they're not going to get injured, which I think can hurt the chemistry of the team. But honestly, I like it more in the final because I think it's way more important to preserve the, uh, preserve the team for games going on then just let them and possibly all get injured in this game over a hopeless cause. So I think either side would have done it. I think it makes more sense in the finals than it does in regular season or playoff games. But I didn't like it when I first saw it. But, you know, hindsight, you look at it, you say, I think they made the right choice. Okay. Um, so I think they need to be healthy and ready in a couple of days where they play Boston and they don't want to take any chances. All right. So a couple of points to hit on uh, in the um, – sorry, one point to hit on still in the NBA – before I, I want to jump over and uh, talk a little bit of uh, uh, talk a little NFL stuff, but the uh, the Jazz have have uh, lost their head coach and will be uh, looking for a new one. Yeah. Uh, so are we looking at like basically kind of a complete teardown uh, out there in uh, in Utah? Complete may not be the right word because, I mean, people are calling about Donovan Mitchell. Teams are calling about Donovan Mitchell saying, how can we get yeah. him proud away? And they're like, no, we're not. They take on each okay. one of them. However, okay. Rudy uh, Gobert said he is not going to be playing with Donovan Mitchell. So it's either him or me. Right. To the side. Mm -hmm. So they could lose uh, Rudy Gobert. However, that's a lot less dangerous than losing Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I just think this team right now is in a perfect position to lose a few people, lose a few key position players on the court. Uh, their head coach stepping down. They they're in a situation where they're great in regular season play, but horrible once they actually get into the playoffs and they really can't get much done. I think Gobert losing Gobert is a positive, a gigantic positive for this team, because I think as a center, I don't like his his form factor for this team, because ultimately they're more three point shooting players. That's what they're really made up made up of, 
And with Gobert, he's not a three-point shooting center. He's not that type of new formula of center that can shoot the three. He's like he's struggling with getting the shooting the ball at mid range. We saw that uh, right at the end of regular season, right before the playoffs, he was really struggling. That really uh, kind of amplified itself in the Mavericks series, where they could not stop the Mavericks. So ultimately, I think that's a a positive if you lose him. However, these guys that they have, they're already starting to lose some them. They lost Joe Ingles to the Portland Trail Blazers. I think they traded him. Um, Rudy Gobert is going to be gone, so they lose him as well. I think Clarkson's need to be kept. I think Clarkson needs to be kept. I think he's a positive. I think Donovan Mitchell needs to be kept. But most of the other guys, I think, could be gone, and they'd be fine because they need to add players. I feel like they're caught in this weird situation where they're not bad enough to completely dis- uh, like kind of rebuild and destroy from the ground up, yeah. but they're not good enough to be like, I'm satisfied for what with what I have. And I don't know if the next coach is going to be able to do that for him. Uh, is this a strategic move by the coach to step down now so he doesn't get fired? Or is it something that he just decides is better as a career option to move to a different team and get a new opportunity or a fresh start there? But ultimately, like I said, they're not the worst team, but they're not the best team. And until they make some big decisions and decisions that could you know, frustrate a lot of Utah Jazz fans uh, for the short run, they're not going to be able to break through this barricade because I think – as good as Donovan Mitchell is, I think a lot of these other superstar players have kind of made, kind of created their own category with Jason Tatum and Jimmy Butler and uh, Luka Doncic and Devin Booker. These guys that are really, really good at basketball and are just dominating right now. However, also we now know that uh, Aiton uh, down in Phoenix will not be, or I think their report said is more likely not to return to Phoenix next season after not offering them a max contract, which I still hold as a huge, uh, huge loss for this Phoenix Suns team if they're not able to bring it back because I believe he's an instrumental part of that team. To lose him is you'd be no huge, but maybe you could plug him into Utah and get that new lifeblood in there and see how that kind of gets things going. I and mean, you need to be looking at that. Um, the Bulls are about to lose, I think, Zach Levine, and he's probably going to the Lakers, but maybe you could try to make a deal to get him over there. You know, just start looking around the league and try to see what you could kind of pull together. I mean – uh, the Portland Trailblazers are willing to get rid of most of their players. I don't know if they're still in that situation, but they yeah. were. They're like, everyone except Damien's open. So start to just, you know, grab pieces from different teams and start plugging them in, see where they fit, see if it's a good fit. Russell Westbrook, the Lakers coach, is happy about him and says he's one of the best players, you know. But that's something that your coach would say, right, right before he gets, you know, traded to a different team. Um, so And Kyrie Irving, uh, I think that or Irving, want, they, the Nets don't want him anymore, so he could be leaving. You know, there's plenty of opportunities for you to make really good plays for yourself. You just have to be strategic about where you're going. There's plenty of coaches on the open market that are opportunity or have opportunities to be hired there as well. So ultimately, I think it's, it's now some time because because they're not at a situation where they're not terrible. They're not great. That's a little bit of a gray area where I think there's more for, uh, there's more forgiveness by your fans because you're not destroying when they're at rock bottom uh, and you would never destroy them if they're winning games and they're winning the playoffs. But there's plenty of pieces. Now's the time. It's a good situation. You're in a perfect position to start making some phone calls and don't lose Donovan Mitchell unless you could get a lot for him. But I also have to question like, is he a good fit for this heats team? I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think that's probably the, you know, the best situation for him. And I mean, I don't think any team's going to give him a huge or give the team a big trade to get Donovan Mitchell. So they're going to have to figure out what else they can get. But losing Rudy Gobert, they already lost Joe Ingles. They lost their head coach. It's all trending to the direction that there's a big mix-up about to happen. Uh, it could be contained to a small kind of group of guys to create 
you know keep things how are they are how they are now but also bring in the future of players in there and make things happen there as well and i think that's probably the correct strategic move they're just gonna have to play this correctly but if i had to guess that's exactly how they should play and they should not wait until things get worse because right now things are fixable patchable and you know your head coach stepping down is a great way to start it all and then move on from there all right well we'll see what happens we've got uh, a, a nice little off season to deal with to figure all that out once these finals are done Indeed. all right let's move over to the nfl so aaron donald mm. he's gonna be in la for a couple of years yeah until not retiring 2024 and then he's a free agent he can do anything he okay wants with it. now the highest paid defensive i think actually it's the highest paid non-quarterback okay uh, in the league right now which okay. is deserving for everything that he's done for this franchise i mentioned uh quite a few podcasts ago that if Aaron, Ro- Aaron, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Donald retires, uh, the Rams are one of those teams that are not going to be able to return to the Super Bowl or even make a strong case for it. Aaron Donald comes back. They don't lose a whole lot of pieces. The biggest loss is um, Vaughn Miller, uh, OBJ, which we'll talk about in a second, is still kind of sitting in limbo. But they're able to keep a lot of the players that they need. They're able to add new players. Bob Wagner's now in that system. I like their chances. That is a huge signing for this yeah. team. Uh, it's going to be Disruptive. instrumental to what they're going to be able to do. I still believe the NFC is wide open for the taking. Any team can kind of get to the top. The Rams are already at the top of the whole league, but now they're even more solidified as the top dog in in, in the NFC. So I can't wait to see what they're, you know, are are able to do come, it's like 90 days or somewhere in there. It's coming up. So it'll be fun. Coming up, indeed. It should be interesting. Uh, it should be interesting to see who ultimately ends up at the top of that uh, that mountain. There's some high expectations on a number of teams going into uh, next year. Uh, one of those teams is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, it's starting to look more and more like our good friend uh, Gronkowski's coming back. Yeah, there's high expectations that he'll be back and will be re-signed by the Buccaneers. Um, I think it makes sense for him to come back. I, I think if, they, if Tampa's able to re-sign him and he's able to come back, their chances i don't i think it you know changes things for him because they lost howard i believe to the bills um so they lost that time however they got two new rookie tight ends but having them learn behind um gronkowski is huge for them to kind of as their huge or as their careers develop he was their third <laughs> which is kind of weird that their tight end was their third best wide receiver or yeah. has the best you know reception numbers so having him come back Tom Brady's favorite target. That's another great thing. Their chemistry is on lockdown. Hopefully he's able to stay healthy and doesn't have a big injury or anything like that. But I I just think, you know, the biggest uh, appeal about Tampa is Tom Brady. Um, if Tam- Tom Brady's willing to come back at his at his age, then, you know, Gronkowski is willing to come back at his age and, and battle through all the injuries and get back on the field with his, you know, his best friend. That's right. Let's go do it for sure. It'll be fun. Yeah. So earlier, as we were talking about the Rams, a couple of players uh, that you mentioned, Von Miller uh, and OBJ. Let's talk a little bit about each of them, starting with uh, Von Miller. It sounds like he was really interested in joining joining Dallas's defense. Yeah. It's painful after I read that article because I believe Dallas, if they got Von Miller, would catapult themselves into the conversation of one of the best teams in the nfc right now they're average and they're kind of middle of the road and there's a lot of expectations on them we're just not sure if they can meet those expectations zeke elliott Dak prescott these guys are still coming off of you know one an injury and one bad 
bad fumbles that don't need to happen. If they could fix those up, that could boost them. Then they lost Amari Cooper to the Browns, and they're trying to figure out where they're sitting, and they're trying to see who their number one wide receiver is going to be. And then defensively, that was a solid group of guys last year. One of the best defenses in the entire National Football League. Dan Quinn did a great job. Diggs was doing uh, or awesome at, at the quarterback position. Um, Micah Parsons was doing a good job at the linebacker position. Uh, their, their defensive line was just wrecking havoc and, you know, re- looked really strong on them into the playoffs against the, you know, the 49ers before getting eliminated in a pretty decently close game. Getting Von Miller into that lineup, yeah, that's scary to think about, the yeah. fact that that defense could have been even, you know, even better than they were last season. But unfortunately, salary cap yeah. and issues like that that the Rams, you know, are immune to somehow and are able to pay all this ridiculous sums <laughs> of money. Don't really know how that all works. <laughs> but, um... They just were unable to sign him. And, I mean, it, Dallas fans, I, if I was a Dallas fan, I'd be, like, so pissed because, like, that's the type of move that changes the course of a franchise for years to come. Yeah. Now, obviously, they can't pay the money, and that's something that Dallas fans are going to point to if they lose this year about how we're not making correct decisions with our monies. We need to fix things. We need to do the blah, 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 blah. But the Bills are now, you know, sitting on top in that AFC division and sitting as alpha dogs because of that move, and they're already pretty dominant. But I just think the NFC could have been shaken up right. by that one move if that was able to happen. Um, and unfortunately, it wasn't. But I still think Dallas, if they're able to play their chips right with the pieces that they have, are you know primed for a good kind of catapult season and are, are able to put themselves on the map if they play their cards right. And that's really just going to revolve around their running back and their offense. That's really where all the questions still, remarks still remain is their wide receiver core, and the running back. Can Ezekiel Elliott not fun the football? Can Dak Prescott stay healthy and not have another, you know, bad injury? Which either would come off of last season and play decently well. And can uh, can the wide receiver room figure stuff out with, uh, after losing Amari Cooper, which was a, a, kind of a weird move to the Browns. But uh, ultimately, I think it's going to be one of those things where they got to move on. You got to play well. All right. So the Browns apparently want OB, OBJ back. Yeah. Is this going <laughs> to happen? Uh, no, I, well, from what I heard, OBJ and the Rams both want to get this done. Okay. But, uh, they just signed Aaron Donald to a huge contract. Yeah. So, Sally Cap is still a thing. So can you'd they, think that they need they, to get, they need they to afford him. They probably can't. I they mean, probably know something's coming, right? Bobby Wagner, they just signed, they just signed Von Miller, or not Von Miller, they just signed Aaron Donald to a huge contract. You just got Alan Robinson from the, you know, the, uh, the Bears, you just signed him to a contract. Uh, you're going to have to pay Cooper Cup, which Cooper Cup has said he wants a contract that fits the needs of the team as opposed to fits his, you know, his wants, which is something that could cool down the wide receiver market significantly. And ultimately, it's one of those things where there's so many other teams that could desperately need him. I think, I think the Green Bay Packers desperately need him. However, I think they burnt the bridge based off of not wanting to pay him the big bucks. But he definitely wanted to play for the Great Bay Packers last season. That was, like, top of his list. They would not pay him the necessary amount of money for to get that done. That's going to hurt him a little bit. But Seattle could use him. I mean, they def- I mean, I think they could use another wide receiver in, in that position. I think he just needs to, you know, feel things out a little bit and then make the move that he thinks. I think the Giants, you know, could fit him as well. But I, I honestly don't know. I'm not to look it up. How much salary cap they have left? How much is they, you know, wanting to make this done? It's weird that it, this whole thing is kind of – dragging his feet like it is and how there's not really anything kind of moving in any sort of direction. Um, and so I think there's a lot of, you know, things that have to be le- left, uh, you know, done. And, and I think there's going to have to be, uh, again, they had to figure it out at some point here shortly. So. 
All right. So, yeah, the NFL season is rapidly approaching. Um, before we uh, we get out of here, what are your top five AFC teams? Yeah, so mine might be a little surprising, but, um, and, you know, I think the Raiders top the list. I think okay. they've really done a lot to, to improve. Um, I believe the Dolphins are in that conversation pretty high up there as well. The Bills, okay. 100% on that list. Denver is on that list as a team that because of Russell. Russell, but I also think because of who they put around in that, you know, their little yeah. sphere. Um, By the way, they have a, looks like they're going to get a new owner. Yeah. The son of, uh, I guess Sam Walton, yeah. Walmart. Walmart. <laughs> yep. It's like 4.3 billion or something. He's had to pay for him. Yeah. But, um, and the last team, if I had to, if I had to choose, I think I put the Steelers above the Chiefs because I think the Steelers have done a lot of good stuff in the draft. and the You know they don't have a quarterback established yet, right? That's the point. So Mm -hmm. their defense is solid. I love their defense. I think they've done a lot of good stuff there. The wide receiver room has been stacked from this draft. They have, I think they have the most room to disappoint in the AFC. Hands down, I don't think there's another team that could disappoint the lead like the Steelers can. Najee Harris, Najee Harris is, you know, taking the lead by storm after last season. They draft, you know, a solid group of wide receivers to uh, boost that room that they already have, plus the guys they already have. Defensively, they've got T.J. Watt. Um, they got Cam Hayward. they got great guys there. And then you have, you know, three good quarterbacks they all clearly trust. I mean, it's either going to be Kenny Pickett or um, – Trubisky, and I believe those are the two guys that they're probably going at the front of the list for. Um, and, and the reason I'll put Chiefs on the top five list and kind of poking their heads up at six instead of five is because I don't know if I trust this Kansas City team to win like they were last season with how good this AFC team has, or league or division or conference has turned. And they lost Tyree Kill, who is able to make drives like they had at the AFC championship. It was the AFC. It wasn't the championship game. I think it was in the playoffs last season. I can't remember the exact game, but that 30-second drive where they had Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, and Patrick Holmes getting on the ball, moving it across, and getting and end up tying up the game. They don't have that piece anymore, that, that Tyree Kill piece. They're going to try to fill the, the void with uh, Juju, and they're going to try to fill it up with uh, – who was the other guy they got? Oh, I can't remember his name. But they're going to try to fill it up with the pieces that they have. My, my point is, I, I think Tyree Kill is now in the Dolphins. And I think the Dolphins have now trumped the uh, this um, this Kansas City Chiefs team because of Tyree Kill joining that team. And now it's Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill. And I believe they could dominate now. So ultimately, I think they gave, I don't know, like it, they shaved him to an AFC team, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But ultimately, I don't put him in there just because I don't trust their wide receiver room anymore. And I think it's going to be a hard row for him. Okay. That's all we got. Good episode. Good to catch up. It's always good to talk. Listeners, thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Like I said, if you haven't subscribed, please do that. Otherwise, we'll catch you on Wednesday. See you then. God bless.